If you are in your 20s hoping there is more to life than boys and Bacardi, you are in the right place. Katie Ballmer has been a keynote speaker to over 60 colleges nationwide, encouraging 20-somethings to realize their worth, find their calling, and not date their bags. But seriously, Katie is an author, viral TikTok creator, wife, mom of two girls, and your adopted aunt that you never knew how bad you needed. Ready to have some real conversation tackling the hottest topics? This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. I'm just thrilled to meet you and connect with you. I feel like you are doing some beautiful work online. I think that your voice is needed in this world. And I'm excited to introduce you to our listeners. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And I love all of your content too. And hopefully I'll be able to connect with your audience as well. But it seems like it's a really good group. So I'm excited. Yay. Okay. So let's give us a background in case they are not on social media, haven't connected with you yet, which we will make sure we fix that in the show notes, but a little bit about who you are and your background. Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Carissa. I am 22. I met my husband when I was 18, but we got married last year. So I'm a young married couple, I guess. Um, I live in Florida. I am pretty much a full-time content creator right now, but as far as what I do for work, I have my toes kind of dipped in a lot of different pools. Um, So we actually own a property management company, but I also do social media and content creation, and I work with businesses for social media strategy. So I do a lot of that. Um, And then along with that, I also studied psychology for four years. Um, So I'm very big into self-improvement and self-development and psychology, mental health, all of that. Um, So I I do a lot of content about that. But I think my reason for wanting to be on TikTok is just to kind of help people have fun online, but also kind of learn how to become their best self as well. So that's kind of a little bit about me. But yeah, I do a lot of different things at once. (laughs) Yes, you do wear a lot of hats. And I can relate because I am like, when I meet people, I'm like, yeah, and I do this and I do this. And they're like, whoa, I need like to write take notes. (laughs) (laughs) But it all works because you're not doing all the things every day, you know, it like, it works out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's good because when you're young too, you have so much time to decide what you really want to do. So why not just do everything? (laughs) Right. Okay. And so I I think it's interesting because all the marketing experts say online, you should have a niche. And, you know, I agree with that. It makes sense, obviously. But you're breaking that mold and you just talk about all the things and everything. So talk to me about... I guess, did you start with a niche? Like, how did you kind of gather to where you are now on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of funny. I was just having this conversation with somebody. So this is actually something with my personal social media that I've really struggled with um, because obviously I'm young. Um, I didn't have a huge background in marketing like two years ago before I started. And that was before I had really worked a lot in corporate um, and really knew about marketing and how things work. Um, So I was really just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall, just doing random stuff. Um, And so my first series when I originally started doing TikTok was actually, I think I was 20 at the time, because it was two years ago. So um, my first series was originally like 20 things that you need to know before turning 20. And I went through like a really rough season before that. And I, um, I was in Indiana at the time. That was before I moved to Florida. Um, And I just went through a couple like very traumatic things. Um, I had a really bad like abusive relationship. And it was just really hard for me. And so I kind of moved to Florida and started my life over. Um, And that was such a huge part of my story. And I really had to turn my life around in those two years. And so by that time, I was like, okay, from the time I was 
18 to the time I turned 20 to 21, my life just did like a huge 180. You know, it was completely different and it just completely changed because I had to really start over and get in a new environment. And so because of that, I learned so much and I studied so much psychology and things like during those two years, just because I was so desperately trying to just like get my happiness back and get my life together and start over. And I was in like a new relationship with somebody I really cared about and really loved and we're not married, but um, it was really important to me that I kind of got my footing again, you know, so that two years was really hard for me. But because I came out on the other end of that, I just I made a list of all of the things that really helped me kind of cross that bridge and get to a place where like I was mentally healthy and like, well, to an extent, but (laughs) you know, I still struggle with everything just like everybody else. But to kind of, I wrote down a list to kind of encapsulate all of those things that were like, make it or break it for me, because it was just so valuable. And a lot of those things I thought were worth sharing with other people who might be going through something similar. Um, And so when I started, I really just like made a list, made that into a huge series. um, And it caught on really fast because I think I just had gone over a lot of the pain points that I had been struggling with at that age. And I think a lot of other people really resonated with that because the age group was very similar. So I started out, I wasn't even really sure at the time. It was like self-improvement, like some psychology, a little bit of style occasionally. And it was very broad, but still like self-improvement based. And so it kind of went from there. I got into a lot more like business and psychology content. And then I went into like creation on social media content because I found out that like I really loved it. And honestly, to this day, I don't even know that I have a niche anymore because I've gone into so many different things that I find to be interesting. But I always go back to like self-improvement and entertainment because at the end of the day, I feel like I've decided that my niche is really just me. And I'm just sharing the things that I find interesting. And if people want to follow along, they can. If they don't want to, you know, no big deal. So um, at this point, I'm just kind of like sharing things that I think are cool and interesting and little hacks that have helped me. But I'm not even sure that I have a niche anymore. I'm really just learning every day as I go. (laughs) And that's okay. And I think that, you know, at some point, once you establish yourself on social media, you know, some of those rules are just suggestive at that point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, well, I just, I love what you're doing. So I want to, first of all, hear about those 20 things, or at least the ones you remember. But even before we go into that, maybe take us back to apparently like, you know, a big, really big life change, because I think that so many people Mm -hmm. in their 20s, you know, this is why I love this age group. It's such a pivotal decade when Right. So many things can be decided for the good or for the bad. And, you know, where you live, the the careers, the dating choices, the friendships. So talk to us about that low point and then kind of how you stepped out of that. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Florida. I was here until I was in fourth grade. And then after fourth grade, I moved to Indiana near like Bloomington and Indianapolis, right in between there. Um, So I was in a small farm town and I had never been in that before. It was a totally new environment for me. And I stayed there up until the point where I graduated high school. Um, But to take you like even back farther. So when I was very young, um, I had kind of an interesting childhood. My, and this is actually why I love psychology so much is just because of my background, but my parents adopted a child. So there were four children, but one of them was adopted. Um, And he actually had like a lot of psychological issues because of a lot of disorders he had from his previous family, um, very traumatic stuff. Um, So that really affected me as a child. And I think when I was in like middle school, high school, I was still really working through a lot of that. 
Um, and because I had just like such an adverse childhood experience because of that situation, um, I was still figuring out a lot of things. I had a lot of issues with like my confidence, just kind of figuring out who I was as a person. Um, and the confidence was a big one for me. It was just, I was very self-conscious at the time. I didn't really know anything about like my personality or who I was. Um, and it was hard because I also had very limited resources at the time too. Um, and all of that kind of combined, I was just not in a very good headspace. Um, but when I was in high school, because of all of that combined, I started dealing with like some eating disorder stuff, which thankfully I've been able to work through that. But um, kind of a lot of different things combined. So by the time I graduated high school, my when I was like my senior year, my parents ended up moving back to Florida. And they left me when I was 18 in Indiana by myself. So I was actually in a house with roommates when I graduated. It's not like they abandoned me, they just moved. Um, but so I did end up coming with them later. But so I was there with roommates at the time. And once my parents kind of left the state, I kind of went crazy because I, um, I had like a very strict, like, you know, conservative Christian upbringing, which isn't bad. But um, at the time, like, because I was like, so restricted. And this happens to a lot of people in this age group, like when their parents kind of let go of the reins a little, they're like, yeah, party, you know. And um, so I was like, definitely really crazy at that point for like, two months, I went through my phase. And I found out very quickly that that lifestyle was just not for me, like no good fruit or anything productive was coming from that whatsoever. And I just was not happy. Um, and then in that time as well, I in that time frame of like that year, like the two years right there, I also got into like a very bad relationship that just turned out very badly. And that deeply affected me as a teenager too. It really affected my confidence. Um, and that was actually a big part of the reason that I moved as well was for safety reasons. But after that, when I met my husband as well, so I met him like just a couple weeks before I actually left Indiana. So we met at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And then once I met him and I started getting to like into a serious relationship with him and I moved to Florida to kind of start over and get things together, start college, all of that, just kind of start a new season in my life. I realized that I was kind of at a low point and I was very aware of it, but I actually talked to my best friend's mom at the time. And she was telling me, she was like, you know, you have just so much going on and you're in such an unfortunate situation, but she was like, you have an opportunity that a lot of people don't have. Um, and you get to leave this life behind and then go start over completely new in a place where you don't know anybody aside from your parents being in the same city, you know. And she was like, if I were you in your situation, the one thing that I would tell you to do is to literally make a list of every single thing in your life that you think is worth changing and write down all of the things about yourself that you think you need to improve and write down the list of the things that you want to become and then stick to that list, remind yourself of it and remind yourself that you're starting over and you have a chance to change all of these things about yourself. So I literally, I actually wrote out a list of all of the things that I was doing poorly, even down to like my budgeting with my work. I was like, you know, like I'm not spending my money well. I have really bad friendships. You know, I want to fix my confidence, all these things. And I took that very seriously. And so for the first like year that I moved to Florida, I mean, 
I think I completely changed as a person. And, you know, I credit my husband for a big part of that too. He was such a positive influence on me. He was very mature at the time and I probably wasn't when we first met. Um, And so he kind of saw me through that phase as well. But um, I don't know, I just, I really stuck to that list. And so because of that, I really changed as a person um, in that span of two, three years to the point where I would see my old friends and they're like, I feel like I don't even know you, you know, like you're a totally different person. I've had people say that to me and I'm like, that's great because that was the goal, you know, but I was able to kind of, you know, through the help of the people around me, um, a lot of psychology, a lot of books, you know, having people that really cared about me. Um, and God as well. Through all of that, I was able to completely change my life with a lot of help. And I kind of pulled myself out of that low and got myself to a place where I felt like I was a lot healthier, prioritizing like my physical and mental health. I feel like I had my priorities straight. You know, I was managing money correctly in a more adult way. You know, I was working, getting my education. And I think because of that, I think a lot of people found that story like something that they could resonate with because realistically at some point everybody gets into that low everybody hits a low point you know it's normal but what makes the difference is whether or not you can pull yourself out of it and so I that's why I love your page as well and you know people like you and content creators that are putting stuff out there saying like you know it's okay if you get in a situation where you're dating a dirtbag but it's up to you to make those decisions to see how you're going to pull yourself out of it. Um, So yeah, that's a little about my background. But yeah, I love it. I love it. Yes, 100%. You know, like, it's such a shame to think that, oh, I've made mistakes. And so therefore, I'm doomed. Like, what? Like, no, we all we all do that. So okay, do you remember or can you give us the highlights at least of this magic list? Because I love list building. I think it's magical when I do mentoring. I'm like, okay, you know, you know, like we said, you dated the dirt bag, you learned, you didn't know what you didn't know, but right then you learned and let's move forward. Or write that you say you want to go out there and meet people, write down what matters to you, write it down. So you wrote this list. It changed your life. Talk to me about these things. Well, number one, um, the big thing is to make sure you write these goals down. That I think was the biggest game changer for me is actually putting this stuff in writing Um, because it's okay. I mean, everybody gets to a point where they don't necessarily like who they are and they know that they need to make some changes and that's completely normal. I think that everybody goes through that. But when you get to that point, I think it's a matter of really taking action, deciding exactly what those pain points are and what you want to change and making that list. So number one, always make the list, put it in writing and actually make that commitment to yourself. That was a big part of it. So that like the hack, I guess, that I had said in this one was stop going places where you're not necessarily invited. (laughs) So uh, sometimes you'll like hear people making plans um, and you're like, oh, I want to go to that. So you just like throw yourself in it. But I found as I got older, you will form more valuable friendships if you pay attention to the people who really want you to be there. And it's interesting because people, when they genuinely want you to be included, like you'll kind of see when you stop throwing yourself in situations where you don't necessarily belong, um, you'll kind of see that the people who really care about you, they're going to be the ones that reach out to you and you have different quality of conversations with those people. But I also think 
it kind of goes both ways. Sometimes you do have to speak up to yourself for yourself and be like, oh, like, hey, I'd love to go do this and kind of feel the conversation too. So mm. that was also mm. two years ago. I don't know that I would live by that by now. But at the time, mm. I found it really interesting. And it really helped me because I was definitely one of those people who's like, oh, kind of like throw myself into situations where like, I wasn't really invited. <laughs> so that was a big one. But I think one of the dating ones that I really loved from that series was you have to stop trying to be like the chill girl, you know, because at that time, it was a lot more relevant because there was like this huge thing of like, people want to be like the chill girlfriend, they want to be, you know, like the bro girl or whatever, you know, and they'd be like, they want to be viewed as like chill and easygoing. But I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think I think I used to think like that. But now um, it's like, I am okay with having high standards. And I think every girl should be you know, if you are with a guy and you like don't like the way that he's treating you, like speak up for yourself. Even even with my husband now, like I'm known for doing this. If he doesn't open the car door for me, like I'll just sit there and wait. <laughs> I'll like go to, go to touch him and be like, ah, ow, you know. Um, but it's one of those things where being the chill girlfriend isn't worth you know, not setting your own boundaries and making your standards known in a relationship too. And that was one of those things that I thought belonged on that list because, you know, you don't have to be the chill girl all the time. Like it's okay to have like wants and needs and like boundaries as far as like, you know, in all aspects, even with just the way that people treat you and respect you. That was a big one. Hey friends, I hope you're loving this conversation as much as I am. I want to let you know for the month of October only, I'm offering discounted mentoring. So you can book a time with me. I have my calendar available and you pick any time that works for you. And we set up a time to chat for only $29. And that also gives you the link to unlimited discounted mentoring. So if you like what we talked about, want to check in with me in a week, in a month or whatever, you can continue to do that for that $29 price. Used to be only exclusive to people who have booked me in the past. That is for you if we have had a conversation before or for anyone out there, discounted mentoring for October only. I hope that you check out the link right under here in these show notes and we can have a little coffee date. But seriously, it's really not that complicated. You just pick a time that works for you on my calendar. And at that time, I call you and we talk. And it could be about anything. Usually it's about boys, but sometimes it's about finding your calling. Sometimes it's about just what you want to do when you grow up. Whatever it is, I want to be your adopted big sister. That is what I live for, being who I needed when I was younger. So check it out. This month is a great discount. So the link will be there for you in the show notes. Okay. So this one was talking about like saying no to people. A big part of like my confidence building journey at that time was learning to say no to things that I didn't want to do because I was definitely at that time, (laughs) I had somebody talk to me and I was like, oh, like I'm definitely a people person. I always have. And they were like, are you really a people person or are you just a people pleaser? And so you say yes to all these things that you don't necessarily want to do, but you just want to please people. And I was like, hmm, (laughs) you know, and that really made me think. And anyway, so I actually purposely started finding ways that I could say no to people when it's something that like, really like if it wasn't necessarily benefiting me in any way or if I feel like somebody might be like kind of like taking advantage of the situation like I just really had to practice saying no to things um and in turn that actually really helped me to build my confidence or even if it's just like a bad situation I didn't want to be in I'm not going to say yes to something just because I feel like pressured or guilty it was something that I had to practice doing and even just in the small things like 
like what restaurant do you want to go to just sticking up for yourself like mm, I really don't want to go there I would actually prefer something like this um and learning how to do that politely and respectfully that was a big thing for me um but it made I a love huge, that. huge difference yeah I was thinking about this being the chill girlfriend and then not being mm-hmm. able to say no I think it's just trying to be agreeable and that's a good thing like you don't want to be a like right. none of us want to be annoying and like demand your way all the time but um yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of people, so got, everyone will take the easiest route. Like that's, mm-hmm. like we just we do, we just, it's human nature. Um, but at the same time, psychology, and you probably know this, guys want to chase and win a woman's heart. And so if it's just like, I don't have to put in any work, I don't have to romance, like that's easy. And so they might date a girl like that, but I think truly they like bury down into it. They want to marry and build a life with someone they have to pursue and like, mm-hmm. and chase. I mean, I don't... I'm not like hard to get, like, we don't want to like look too, too much into this, but be you have high standards and like, stop being trying to bend over backwards to be whoever they want you to be, be yourself and let them uh, win your heart over. And the other interesting aspect of that too, which this is something that I've talked about on my platforms as well, is that, so I was very much that person that kind of like bent over backwards to be what people needed from me. But I found out as I got older too, that that actually fake friendships a lot of the time and fake relationships or relationships that aren't what they could be as far as quality. A lot of the times they're actually rooted in that if you are like being a people pleaser. So if you are, you know, faking nice to all of these people, you know, Number one, you're going to like resent them because you're having to like put on this front and pretend that you like all these things that you don't, blah, blah, blah. But number two, they don't really know you for who you are when you get down the road. So like if you get into a relationship and you're bending over backwards for this guy or for this girl and you're just trying to be everything that they could possibly need from you, you're going to start to resent them for that. But also, and that might be deep down, you might not even know that, you know. But at the same time, you have to think about if you are just doing everything you can to be exactly like the mold of what this person wants, do they really care about you for who you are? Or do they just like this facade that you've been putting on and convincing yourself and them that you are, you know, and I think when you stop you know, saying yes, everything and you start like setting boundaries and really like recognizing your needs and what you want out of a relationship and what kind of person you want um, and saying no to things, then it builds your confidence. But it also ensures that that person is really genuinely liking you for who you are, and not just the person you want them to believe that you are. And so I found that in a lot of relationships, you know, I felt like I wasn't really seen Um, or heard or they really knew me that well even though like I thought I was spending all this time with them but it's because I wasn't really making myself heard you know and that's something that you almost have to do intentionally but as I got older I made it a goal of mine to start being like much more genuine with people Um, and also because I wanted to make sure that I was the same person around everybody no matter if it's me talking with you on a podcast recording or me talking to a professor in a school setting or at a restaurant with a friend, you know, I want to be as genuine as possible, because I want to be the same person with everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think at the end of the day, at that time, you know, a few years ago, I noticed that like, I didn't have that continuity, but it's because I 
because I was trying to please people, I ended up being fake. And I really wanted to change that. And that actually, like me not being fake and being genuine with people actually started with, you know, saying no to things and speaking up for yourself and making your needs known. Because it actually in turn helps you to be more genuine in your relationships too. I love it. Okay, so talk to me about now. You you're said you're wearing a lot of hats, living in Florida. The content that you create, um, psychology-based, I just find it fascinating. So kind of where you are now. Yeah, yeah so at this point, um, currently, so I finished four years of school for psychology. I just graduated, um, and I'm planning to go on to get my PhD. I might take a little break just because I have so, so much going on right now. So I'm pretty much done with my first round of college, so that's really nice. I'm married. My husband's amazing. His name's Matt. He's in the other room, probably listening to me talk right now, <laughs> but he's yeah. awesome. We've been together since 2018, so over four years. So it's actually really cool. He's amazing, and he definitely makes me a better person, so I love him for that. Marriage has treated us pretty well so far. He travels, so we still kind of do long distance. Sometimes I travel with him, so that's always a lot of fun. But I, for work, I'm kind of doing a lot of different things, like you were saying. Um, so we do, we have a short-term rental property management company, so we kind of dabble with Airbnbs, um, things like that. Um, so we are getting into that at the moment, trying to buy some properties and things and do that as far as investing. So that's like one of the career paths. And that's hopefully going to be a long term thing. But We're still kind of getting it up and running right now. And then I do social media content creation with psychology. Um, I do some consulting with businesses as well. And what I do actually, so when I was doing all that stuff with social media and kind of experimenting, I actually was running a lot of experiments on the algorithm and figuring out like how TikTok works, like getting like reverse engineering the algorithm. So now um, I study like TikTok strategy and short form video strategy, things like that. So I'll actually work with like small business owners and content creators and kind of help them to see like how they can actually like narrow down their niche, like really figure out their branding um, and then work out things like marketing strategy if they are selling a product and all of that type of stuff. So that's another one of my hats that I love. Um, that one's a whole lot of fun. And other than that, I mean, right now I'm just trying to enjoy being a young married couple. We have our young married couple group, which has been amazing through our church. Um, so that's definitely a big part of our life right now. We're with them a lot and that's been really good for us. Yeah, my husband is a race car driver. So we also spend a lot of time at like the track and stuff like that. And you said you met at the Indianapolis 500 or 400 or whatever it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. He, um, when we first met, he was racing in the Indy 500. And so he was at one of the practice days. And so that's actually where we met. I was there. I was a photographer at the time. So I was there taking photos and videos. And we actually met in the pits there. But yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to do one of those how we met stories. And maybe you already did and I missed it. But that's super cute. <laughs> yeah, that was a really interesting story how we met. It's just kind of funny. But um, I was walking there and... Um, he was racing for this guy who was like very well known in the racing world. It was actually really embarrassing. But um, he was racing for this guy who's like very well known. He was like a legend. I had no idea because I didn't care about racing at the time. Mm -hmm. I hope you didn't hear me say that, but <laughs> I really didn't care at the time. I was just there because like thought it was fun. I wanted to take pictures. I got to skip school and I was like, let's go, you know? Um, and we had free tickets. So I was like, sure, like I'll do it. And um, so, anyways, so I was talking to my brother and I was like, I really 
think that like race car driver is like feeling me I was like you know like I think he checked me out and my brother's like please stop he was like just stop you know that's very weird and I was like no seriously like I'll go take a picture with him so I went to my now husband and I was like hey like could we take a photo together and he was like oh sure but he was like very young he was like a nobody really in the racing world like people didn't really know him but this guy next to him was like a racing legend and I had no idea so I like turned to this guy I was like oh can you take a picture of us and he was like laughing at me and I was like I don't understand like what's funny but like okay and so he ended up like taking and I just handed him the phone like he was like some fan and like I had no idea who he was and my husband ended up telling me like later after we had been on a few dates like what I did and I was horrified but I think he remembered me because of that (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have so much to talk about here. So actually I do on my moon touring and girls reach out to me. Oh, how do I meet guys? I'm so proud of you because you got the invite to this, something you didn't care anything about racing, like whatever, like, you know, I'm sure there's a million reasons that were probably on your other shoulder. Oh, you shouldn't go. You shouldn't go. But you went, you ended up meeting your husband and you did the brave thing by going up to this cute guy and getting a picture. Like there's a lot to unpack listeners because people are like, oh, there's no good, no good guys out there. But are you going to the events? Are you reaching out? Are yeah. you saying hello? You might get nine times out of 10, like uh, not, not the right match, but all you need is one. Yeah. one, time, one time out of 10. Well, and you know, what's interesting too, is I actually told my mom this, but so I had had some bad relationships before and I had actually just gotten out of a bad relationship when we first met that day. And um, it was just so great that it happened the way that it did. But we actually, like, when we made eye contact, like, the first time, I could, like, feel something, which is so weird. But it was almost like a love at first sight type of thing where we just, like, instantly had a connection. We hadn't even, like, spoken yet. And I came home that night. And it's interesting because I actually DM'd him on Instagram. I slid into his DMs. And I, I sent him the photo that we took. And I was like, this is like a good transition. So I sent him the photo. I was like, hey, thank you for the photo. Like, good luck in the race. I really didn't say much other than that because I didn't want to, like, be weird, you know. But I was just like, hey, like, thank you, you know, just trying to be polite. And um, so after that, he, like, kind of took the hint and, like, we started talking. So I did kind of make the first move there, but it was good. But um, it was interesting because I actually came home that night and I told my mom about him. I was like, mom, like, I met this guy at the racetrack. We have, like, this, like, instant soul connection. Like, we just, like, made eye contact a couple times and, like, I just, like, felt something. And, like, I swore he felt it too. And I sent him a message, like, and my mom's like, oh, my gosh, spare me. Like, that's so gross. Like, stop. You know, that's so sappy. Like, this is never going to happen. And then, but then we started talking and everybody was like, okay, like, this is kind of weird, you know? (laughs) and um but my family ended up loving him but it was just so funny because like when you meet somebody that's like a quality man you'll just like know that something is different and it's very interesting and it's hard to describe until it happens oh my gosh I love this so much okay a few more like quick down and dirty like just questions I want to ask and they're completely unrelated so put your seatbelt on um you have a cross tattoo. I love it. Tell me more. Yes. Um, so which hand is it on? It's on this one. Yeah. So my husband's family all has this tattoo. So he's from Brazil. And so they grew up in an evangelical church, but it's like almost comparable to like a Catholic here. But we don't go to a Catholic. We go to a regular Christian church now. But um, he and his family were all in Miami and they got 
this tattoo. So it's like the laced family tattoo. And then after we got married, I actually went and got the tattoo because it was like almost like my initiation into their family. So it was very interesting. And now me and his father, mother, and then brother all have the same tattoo. I love it. It's simple and sleek and really pretty. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Other completely random. You have the best eyelashes I've ever seen. How do you tell me how, how, where, where can I get them? Um, they're fake. <laughs> I have eyelash extensions. I get them from Amazing Lash Studio, but I, I, I don't usually get them. I just randomly got them like a couple of days ago because I had a free credit. So that's, that's where they came from. <laughs> Amazing Lash Studio. Okay. Shout Thank out to you. them. <laughs> I've got them done a few times and then I started like um, swelling up. I got to get it from oh, yeah. and all of a sudden they start. So now I do Lashify. It's like an online subscription. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that's really good. And I think sometimes it depends on who you have do it. If they do it and it gets too close to your eyelid, it'll like poke it. I've had that happen. It's actually really painful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel like lashes, <laughs> lashes are important. I mean, like we got to talk about these things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. And last, TikTok strategy. You've studied a lot of it. I'm sure our listeners would love to go viral on the internet. I know there's no magic formula, but what are some kind of tips and tricks? Well, ironically, going against what I said earlier, (laughs) when you're first starting out, it actually is very good to have a niche. Um, And even if it's not a very specific niche like yours is, you know, you have a very specific ideal client and age group that you kind of go for um, a girl necessarily in like a specific situation with specific needs. um, That's a very good example, even just to look at your account is to kind of find that ideal person that you want to impact right now, because like my account is a little farther down the road. I'm experimenting with a lot of different things. So I'm considering myself like nicheless, more of like a lifestyle person, just kind of experimenting with all different things. So I'm probably a bad example. But when it comes to like business strategy and corporate accounts that I've run and things, it's kind of essential that you have a niche, you know, who your ideal client or, you know, your ideal person is that you would want to impact. Um, And then you can create like content pillars as well and kind of decide like how you want to leave people feeling after, you know, looking at your content. Mine is I want them to feel like welcomed. Um, I want it to be relatable, things like that. Um, And it could really vary. Um, It could be anything that you want it to be. But I always suggest that people have their niche. I actually create like branding presentations, I guess, for people and I make them an entire branding kit. And with that kind of thing, it actually like I'll help them figure out like what their niche is, kind of build the bones of their strategy. And there's a lot that goes into that, but it's more of figuring out if I were to put it into like two or three things. Number one, figuring out who the person is that you want to impact. Number two, what problem do you solve for that person? And then number three, just how do you want them to feel when they interact with you? Like, what do you want to offer them? That's the big thing. And then once you have that down, you kind of can build an audience. And with that, you just want to be consistent, post as much as you can. And it's really all about offering as much value as you can to that specific person. And that's definitely how I started too, is kind of finding that ideal like young person and figuring out how can I take that person and offer them as many tips, 
to, you know, empower them to improve in, you know, as many ways as they can, how can I make that happen? And then the, the flip side of that is how can you do that in the shortest amount of time possible? And it really comes down to that is how do you offer value in like 10 seconds or 15, 30 seconds? And how can you do that as fast as possible without boring them, you know, audibly or visually? And there's a million ways to do that, but that's kind of everything in a nutshell. I love it. I was talking to a friend and she, she doesn't do short form videos. It's all like new to her. And, um, she has a really powerful story. She's like, yeah, I'd love to, you to help me do a video. I'm thinking like a 15 minute video. And I'm like, girl, mm-hmm. we, we, we need a minute max. And she's like, what? Yeah. There's no way. I'm like, there are ways, believe me. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a big hump to kind of get over, especially when you're used to long form video, but short form is so valuable for so many reasons, which is why I really love it. Yes, I do too. It's so fun. And then there's places for long term for sure. But that hook is that short firm. And and it's, you know, well, you know all this, but just a quick way to get information. And it's um the like, know, and trust factor. You can learn so yeah. much in, in 15 seconds. So it's amazing. Absolutely. Well, I love what you're doing. Tell our listeners how they can continue to follow what you're doing, the best places to find all the goodness you're offering the internet. Yeah, absolutely. So I am on almost all platforms, but my biggest ones that I'm most active on would probably be Instagram and TikTok. My TikTok is k.womp, W-A-M-P. And then my Instagram is just Carissa Laced, just my full name. Um, And I'm very responsive as far as DMs. If you guys have any questions, I'm an open book. I love to talk about all this stuff. Shoot me a message. Um, Even if you have like content strategy questions or, you know, property management questions, whatever, I'm an open book. I always respond. So shoot me a message. Let's talk. You're the best. Okay. And last question I like to ask our listeners is if you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say? Since you are the ripe age of 22, maybe take us back to that girl right before she moved. Like you're kind of in that low point and you've learned so much and you've grown so much. You could have coffee with that sweet little broken girl. Like what would you tell her? Oh, wow. That's a hard question. Actually. There's so much that I would tell myself at that point, but I think the biggest thing is that I would kind of go back and tell myself that I have control over so much more than I ever thought possible at that point. And really, all of the fruit that you're seeing in your life is coming from the decisions that you're making, the way that you're speaking to yourself, that inner voice, the way that you're treating other people, you know, the decisions that you make on the day to day. I would go back and tell myself that like, you just have control over so much more than you think. And as soon as you step out of like the victim mentality of all these things are happening to me and step into like, okay, all these things are happening for me. And, you know, either you're going to win or you're going to learn something new and you're going to find a new way to, you know, help somebody else go through what you've been through. You know, once you accept that, you get out of that victim mentality and you start to have control over all of those situations in your life. And you look at life a lot differently because again, things are happening to you, they're happening for you. And there's literally something to learn in every situation. Um, And I think that's what I would tell myself, because once you realize that, you just get such a different outlook on life. Um, That might have been our best answer to that question. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) So good. So good. Yes, I love that. Not it's not happening to me, it's happening for me. And even the Mm -hmm. stuff that sucks, you learn from it and you grow and you can help others and you become stronger. And oh my gosh, I love that so much. Well, Well, Carissa, what a pleasure to meet you. And I cannot wait to share this episode with our listeners and continue to follow what you're doing online. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being on with you.